Some topics in this podcast series deal with sensitive subject matter that may not be suitable for all listeners. The National Principles for Child Safe Organisations reflects 10 child safe standards recommended by the Royal Commission into Institutional Responses to Child Sexual Abuse. These principles aim to provide Australia with a nationally consistent approach to creating organisational cultures that foster child safety and well-being. They have a broader scope that goes beyond child sexual abuse to cover other forms of potential harm to children and young people. This podcast series, brought to you by ComplySpace and Brave Hearts, unpacks each of the 10 principles, their implications and ways to apply them. In this episode, we explore Principle 5. People working with children and young people are suitable and supported to reflect child safety and wellbeing values in practice. Hi everyone, I'm Deborah Defina, Principal Consultant in Child Protection at ComplySpace. And I'm Matt Sinclair, the National Child Protection Training Manager at Bravehearts. You're listening to our series of podcasts about the national principles for child safe organisations. Today we're talking about principle five, which is about robust um, human resources management. And we've got two guests today, uh, Svetlana Podsiadu, who is the HR expert here at ComplySpace, and Ian Hurd, who is a former deputy principal at McDonald College. Welcome, Ian and Svetlana. Thank you. Thank you, Deb. Um, Svetlana, can you talk to us a little bit about your background and expertise? Um, I'm a qualified lawyer uh, who never practised, but I've been in management and in human resources for the last 15 years, um, including national HR managers. So I've had, uh, while I haven't been directly involved in schools until the last seven years with ComplySpace, um, I've had a lot of experience in choosing appropriate candidates, uh, interviewing them, uh, referee checks and subsequently managing them once they've uh, hit an organisation and we're trying to get the best out of them. Mm. And Ian, do you want to talk a little bit about your background? I've taught for almost 30 years in independent schools in New South Wales, uh, day schools, uh, boarding schools, uh, co-ed schools and uh, single-sex boys' schools. I've had uh, positions of uh, within a boarding house uh, and curriculum leadership positions and, and most recently deputy principal uh, at an independent school too. So um, I've seen HR practices across a wide range of contexts mm. in schools. Um, so Svetlana, let's start again with you. Uh, you've recently rewritten and upgraded the HR policies and procedures that ComplySpace has available for our school clients. Can you talk a bit about why and what's changed in, the, in these policies? Uh, one of the major th- points of difference uh, is that we previously had a relatively generic HR practice, so good, solid, robust practices. But now there's a significant embedding of the uh, child safe principles throughout. So it starts with the entire life cycle of HR, so advertisements, job descriptions, um, interview questions, referee checks, how you select people, and all of this is put into our HR module so that it's, there's a lot of guidance for schools to ensure that they can um, at all points look at the child safe principles and ensure that we have the best possible robust HR systems to ensure that the wrong people don't get in as mm. best we can. Mm. 
So, Ian, let's um, start at the beginning of that life cycle. Do you want to talk a little bit about position descriptions and um, position analysis and um, advertising? Look, I think position descriptions and position analysis, uh, they're an organisational framework. And I think very often schools will focus primarily on what the position requires the teacher to do as a teacher. And so it'll be related to curriculum, it might be related to co-curricular, it might be related to their boarding responsibilities. It's much less frequently about privileging right up front child-safe attitudes and practices. And um, I think one of the things that we need to do is move the consciousness and the conversation around what is a child-safe organisation, what's a child-safe consciousness, so that it's actually above curriculum matters, for example, if it's a teaching position. That's quite a challenge uh, in schools because we often, we're often driven by the humanist, what do you need to do, what do you need to know, uh, rather than the attitudes that go with the position. Uh, and child-safe organisations really are about an attitude mm. and a primacy of consciousness um, of those sorts of things. I think the... Um, Advertising is really critical, uh, that the, the advertisement sends a very clear message that we will, as an organisation, go above and beyond the minimum requirements uh, with regards to uh, child protection matters. Um, while we're obliged in New South Wales, for example, to make sure that every employee has a working with children check uh, and that we do police records, there are other things that you can do, and they're the things that we will do because that's our culture, that's our practice. Um, signalling those in an advertisement, I think, is the first way to send a very clear message uh, about the primacy of child-safe organisations as a practical application within the school. Mm. Yeah, I think that the that front up, how you present yourself as an organisation or a school, is a really important piece and it, and it sets uh, a standard and it sets an expectation about the behaviours and I, I agree with you with the position descriptions I think that's a, a, a really strong part and, and often the work that we do at Bravehearts when we're reviewing an organisation is looking for those cultural artefacts as we call them and, and position descriptions is one is is it a cosmetic byline and you will do so safely and, and report abuse as required or is it a you will engage in a, um, a, a positive and uplifting way and, and support a culture of safety, whether it be about interpersonal harm or workplace health and safety, those sorts of things. Mm. Yeah. Ian, you rightfully spoke about uh, working with children's checks and, and you sort of discern New South Wales as a jurisdiction different to others, and, and absolutely, that's one of the things the Royal Commission said very early in the piece around working with children's checks can be unnecessarily complex because every jurisdiction is different. Svetlana, my question for you is around that working with children's checks. What's the value of that? And and is it enough just to do a working um, with children's check? Look, you absolutely have to do it because that'll pick up the, I guess, the, the worst cases or anything that's on foot, so you know, initial big red flag. Um, but the next step is you have to do referee checks. It's something that you have to do under 
you know, any good good HR person will tell you you have to do referee checks if you're choosing people because somebody with, with wonderful glib performance in an interview is known indication of, of their performance on the job. So um, referee checks are critical. And I think Ian has come up with some very good questions on how to get that level of honesty from people that you're phoning and contacting about a person. So I think the Royal Commission highlighted the fact that the provision of refer good references uh, for staff that were behaving dubiously in a child protection context was part of the historical practices of moving staff on. Um, and so sometimes the people that are providing references are not the people who have carriage for child protection investigations or an awareness of child protection uh, uh, investigations within a school. So I think, uh, as well as referee checks, I think one of, those, one of the questions that needs to be asked of potential employees is who in your organisation has knowledge of child protection matters and can I contact them as part of evaluating your suitability for this position? Because one of the other questions um, that I think you, you mentioned was asking people at interview, or and it can be through the referee check, is are you aware of any investigations um, regarding child uh, abuse matters or child protection matters and asking the person to respond honestly. And once again, putting that into both an employment contract saying um, you undertake to provide honest um, information um, and if you, if you fail to do so, we subsequently find out your employment will be terminated. So that there's that kind of you know, carrot yeah. stick thing yeah. to tell us. But having said that, I mean, you mentioned that there can be investigations where you're subsequently cleared, but you still want people to openly tell you that there was an investigation in the first place, otherwise yeah. it looks, starts looking really murky if they haven't talked yeah. to you at all. I think there's a lot of residual anxiety around child protection <coughs> investigations within schools. Uh, we've not yet reached a culture where staff quite comfortably recognise that an investigation doesn't imply guilt. And I see a lot of instances where staff have been investigated, they've been totally exonerated, but they still feel very awkward about answering that question, have you ever been subjected to uh, investigations at your school? And so for me, the process is one of helping them through that by asking questions um, because you don't want to trap them. Um, it's a, a deeply difficult thing to say, yes, I was the subject of an investigation, but it was found to be unsubstantiated. Um, but at the same time, you've got an obligation as an employer uh, to ask those yeah. questions. And also you can take it further in an interview and say, look, what, what did you find you learned from the experience? And that, in fact, can um, elicit a whole lot more information about the person and their mindset instead of saying, I hate all students or I never trust the buggers. <laughs> but it, it, it can say, well, I learned from that that I put myself in a position where I may have been exposed or vulnerable or something that mm. I wouldn't do in the future, and I think that's something that other people should be aware of as well. Mm. Ian, um, do you have some other ideas about other types of interview questions that might be appropriate to ask? that are focused on child safety? Yeah. There's often a bit of a gap between what the policy says and what policy and practice actually represents. <clears throat> so one of the things that I have found very useful is to 
um, develop a number of scenarios and I've always used them actually coming out of the school that I've been teaching in because at the end of the day that's the environment that people are coming into. So if this happened, if you saw this, what would be your uh, responses? Uh, and of course that's testing their knowledge and awareness of not just policy but a, a deep understanding of what is reportable conduct, what is mandatory conduct, mm -hmm. uh, what is their obligation as an employee uh, mm -hmm. to put child safe matters above peer relationships with other mm -hmm. teachers, for mm -hmm. example, um, and, and to privilege the primacy of child safety. Mm -hmm. So I think scenarios mm -hmm. uh, and the application of policy in real life situations is a, is a really important, uh, and it, it takes a little bit of time to sort of sit down and, and create really meaningful scenario questions. Without it being too complex. Without it being too complex. <laughs> Lost in the yes. story. <laughs> well, because for the majority of, of staff, um, they're not, not complex situations when they first happen. Mm. You're really wanting an on-the-ground initial response. This mm. causes some concern. I need to do something about it. Mm. Mm. And what about leadership positions? Do you have any ideas about um, whether there are different questions that might need to be asked of, of people who are applying for leadership positions in a school? I think one of the... Uh, I've touched on one of the anxieties, and, and it is a deep anxiety within in staff in schools around child protection. Uh, I've been subject to child protection investigations, um, and I always took that opportunity to be a role model for how to respond in those situations. Yeah. I think the way in which you as a leader in the school can help establish a culture that says it is acceptable and normal practice for matters to be raised. You actually don't want a school that has no child protection matters raised uh, in a 12-month period because that means nobody's hyper alert. Um, and, and sometimes schools will take the view, we haven't had any notifications, we haven't had any, any concerns raised, therefore we're a safe organisation. I'd actually suggest that that's, that's the antithesis of what a safe organisation is. You want people to say, look, I've got this concern, and to have an open conversation. How are you as a leader in a school going to develop that culture? Uh, that's a really significant, challenging um, question. Mm. Yeah, how do you create the opportunities for those conversations? Yes, yes. yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah. And having that open communication channel so that people, the teachers do come and ask you as well, that they're, they're not too scared that the, the, the approach mm. that you'll yes. take is... Oh, and students be, too. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the things that has happened in the last couple of years is there's been a significant rising, raising in consciousness of students' awareness about mm. what is acceptable and what's not. Uh, sometimes they're very quick to tell us what they're entitled to, uh, where the limits of, of what our expectations are, um, but they're certainly much more aware. Um, so not only raising consciousness amongst staff, but how are you going to continue to raise consciousness and facilitate communication with students. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that would be a brilliant question in interview at all levels, is how would you facilitate that open communication so that they, and build that trust that... Um, you know, you can the, the students and other staff can ask you. Yep. And what about red flags? So, at interview or with asking referee checks, what are the red flags that we should be looking for? Total ignorance of <laughs> what, is, what their role is supposed to be. Um, 
and I guess rights of children as well to a, to a large extent, isn't it? Just yeah. what, what should children not put up with? Um, Some of this will be jurisdictional. Mm. Uh, I mean, in New South Wales, if I had somebody uh, wanting to be considered for a leadership position that couldn't clearly articulate the difference between mandatory, con uh, mandatory uh, reporting and reportable conduct, that would be a flag to me. Uh, because you need to understand it to be able to convey that to both students and staff. Mm -hmm. uh, reportable, we should probably explain that reportable conduct in New South Wales means um, that it's a conduct outside as well that needs to be reported to the Ombudsman, um, and that includes things like family domestic violence um, and any kind of child abuse mm. outside of the school mm. context mm. for the teacher. That's right, so conduct of staff members that includes conduct in the school and conduct that they might engage in outside of the school as well. Yep. Mm. I wouldn't consider a red flag to be that somebody has been the subject of uh, an investigation mm. uh, because that in and of itself just means that they've been the subject of an investigation. Mm. I think the red flag is their response to that. If their response is antagonistic, if it's defensive, um, if it's in any way other than this is what we need to have to have a robust child safe organisation, that to me would be a, a very significant red flag. Yeah, I, I agree. And and their response and defensiveness just as a behavioural trait to anything is a, a red flag, yes. particularly if we're talking about senior leadership positions. Yeah, mm. that's a really good yeah. point. Um, uh, did you want to ask about performance reviews? Yeah, that was the next. That's right. Yeah. So we that was the next the next line in the journey, I guess, of HR is performance reviews, and it's something I understand that does, doesn't happen um, a lot in schools, uh, but maybe it's coming. So do you want to talk a little bit about that, Svetlana? <laughs> um, I think performance reviews is something that in the corporate world is an absolute given, you just subject to it at least once a year and the, the good organisations have three monthly checks and, and all the rest of it. I think in schools, correct me if I'm wrong, usually it's the first three years you have the, the, the teacher up to proficient level is supervised, although I don't think child safe principles come into it very clearly. Um, so that's one of those areas where that really needs to be built in and also built in at a, you know, a regular kind of check it doesn't have to be a uh, no here I'm going to hit you over the head if you give the wrong answers but it's one of those opportunities as in the corporate world where a teacher can bring up issues where the the, the school has issues and it's um, a way of finding a way forward as well as training issues what's what's missing so um, one of the things is looking at you know do you have sufficient skills do you are you, do you feel sufficiently comfortable handling any kind of child abuse issues and, and taking that forward um, and one of the things also the corporate world has is 360 surveys which is a, a way of trying to get information not just from how your supervisor sees you which in a school context can be extremely limited because they're not going to be in the, in the classroom and if they are in the classroom it's going to be an artificial environment in terms of everybody's acting up for whoever's whoever's there um, so looking at getting students to feed in um, and this can be an anonymous surveys and so forth and peers so that if they you know potentially it's a way of raising you know if they feel there are concerns or good things this can all be raised into the into the mix and then discussed at, a, at an interview mm. Mm. and I Performance appraisals 
wouldn't just be for teachers either. There's, you know, all staff in a all school. All staff, yeah. Because all staff um, need that assistance in what, are, how am I doing? Um, how can I do better? Um, what do I need to do to do better? What training? Those sorts of things. Sorry, Ian, I probably took everything you told me. <laughs> yeah, look, I think this is actually a really, really difficult question because you want staff to engage in meaningful conversation with their peers and with students and with their uh, section leaders around their performance. But there's a difference between doing that for enhancing their professional practice and where it becomes um, a performance monitoring process. So at what point does it move from being uh, professional development and does it move into a much more uh, sometimes coercive, uh, difficult situation where you're actually wanting to manage and monitor people's performance? Um, so I was talking to a, a school principal um, few weeks ago and he was saying well this child safe stuff is really awful you know it's all the the relationship between a, a teacher and students is all built on trust and it's undermining it because it's got this big brother thing and what are we going to have next is cctv cameras in the room and i think it's you know, i was trying to, to to explain to him that it's it's not like that it's a more a matter of getting sh everyone to understand that this is their role is the child protection mm -hmm. and they're there to look educate build the trust of course but the trust has been broken in a lot of ways mm -hmm. already so now it's how do we rebuild the trust and it's not the cctv cameras and, the, and that that level yeah. of monitoring but it's the ensuring that everybody there has has that understanding embedded in the way they handle the classroom yeah. and i think we're in a transition stage um, there's a lot of interpersonal re reaction, uh, relationships between students and staff that is totally innocent, but which is also indicative of grooming and unacceptable behaviour. And so for teachers who have been in the profession for a long time, there's a need to recalibrate the way in which they view their own innocent behaviour. Because it's not necessarily about them. You know, I, I think about drink driving now, you know, when I was uh, in high school, it was nothing for adults to go off drinking and not think twice about jumping in a it car. It should be noted at this point that Ian's not 24 years old oh. now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I think there's a recalibration that's needing to happen right now and is actually happening right now so that there's, there's a, a, a more robust sense of what is a professional relationship between a teacher and a student or between an adult in a school and a, and a student. And that's evolving as it needs to and as it should. And I, I suspect that in 10 years' time we'll look back um, at our landscape now and think, what on earth were people thinking? Mm. In the same way that we look back at people who used to go off driving after a night out of, mm. of drinking and think, what the hell were they doing? Yeah. Um, Smoking on campus. Smoking isn't, yeah, absolutely, mm. absolutely. Mm. Um, I remember at my high school, I'm not going to name it, uh, <laughs> but you wouldn't go into a couple of staff rooms because you couldn't actually breathe in the staff room for the mm. cigarette smoke. Um, and, I, and I think child safe organisations as a notion, as a concept, as a construct of how we conduct ourselves as professionals, 
we can still be warm and personal, we can still have meaningful interactions with students, but they're defined differently to how they were defined 10, 15 years ago. Mm. I think that's a great note to end it on because that's what the national principles are all about, isn't it? It's about changing that culture. It's about becoming um, just part of practice. That this yep. is the way things are done, just like work, health and safety, like drink driving, like no smoking on campus. It's just it's going to be the way it's done. Yep. Yep. All right, well, thank you. Thank you very much for being our guest today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much. I've, I've learned a lot. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Bye.